Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's up, Believe? This is Believe in White Sox, podcast number eight. Uh, hello to the Barbies, um, because they are a, a significant listening block for us. I can assure you that the Ballantinis and Bernardis are probably not listening. So thank you, Barbies, for representing uh, we need you. You're the core of our listenership, and I, I appreciate you being out there. I'm Brett Balantini, speaking to you from the epicenter of coronavirus, Florida, speaking to someone who I think is a little bit safer, but still in the Southeast is Tommy Barbie, my partner on Believe in White Sox. Welcome, Tommy. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. I, I don't think we're that far behind you, so I, I can't, you know, be too glum about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't even really beat you on, like, the senator battle yeah you know, no, I, I really all... thought i could exploit that but yeah <laughs> i gotta sort of look in my own house here and say holy cats we got quite a pair uh well it's been a while since i think we've uh spoken with our believe audience uh tommy and here's the thing uh white sex are real good or when they're just pretty okay uh, based on the division basically being conceded to them, I'm not even sure there's too much point, <laughs> at least for now, famous last words, getting into that whole like, hey, the Pythagorean projects them to be a 98 win team, whatever. it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, at this point, they go 500, they're pretty much 90 wins. Uh, the division is awful and has given up, so that should only make things easier. So I don't think we're going to focus too much on the nail biting of what are they doing? Are they going to be okay? What did Tony say? Who's injured? Uh, because you feel fairly confident that this is uh, without anything ever really being in the bag. It's as cruise control as you can possibly be for the last two months. Yeah, absolutely. I think the last um, percentage I saw was like 98.8% chance of making the playoffs. So, I mean, it's, it's as close to a slam dunk as it can get um, for the first week of August. Isn't that nice? I mean, I don't care. If, <laughs> I don't care if the other four teams took three steps back in the white section. Like, okay, I guess we took a step forward or two. Right. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, the division in 1983, if I recall, Kansas City was, and I remember at the time, I don't know if it still is, it was a record a division win. And I believe Kansas City was in second place below 500. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's precedent. I don't care. I just love the fact that they ran away with it. I mean, granted, exactly. it set you up for a sucker punch right to the jaw when they got bullied out of the playoffs by Baltimore, but Hey, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves for this. But what I want to do, Tommy is rather than talk about, Hey, geez, what are they, what, you know, we're in the pro- We're talking right now, audience, not only from the lovely Southeast of the United States of America, but we're talking as the White Sox are attempting to romp their way through a sweep against the Chicago Cubs. We're going to get to the Chicago Cubs and Chicago White Sox games, maybe a little bit later on. Uh, but let's not, Let's not do any ninny hand ringing over like, whoa, what's happening with the White Sox? Let's talk. Yeah, Tommy, I want to know uh, the White Sox were active at the trade deadline, uh, which again is another thing that freaks me out because like what is going on (laughs) uh, just to be in position and then not only be in position, but then actually to do the things we thought they were in position for freaking me out. I don't think I've gotten over it yet, but uh, three main trades, obviously getting uh, Cesar Hernandez from the uh, Cleveland Ball Club, and then two trades with the Cubs, grabbing uh, Craig Kimbrell and Ryan Tapera over. I would like to know, in your estimation, with just a touch of Monday morning quarterbacking allowed, given the fact that the deadline was about a week ago, uh, which one do you see as me in the most significant? 
Oh, I I think in the regular season, Cesar Hernandez is the biggest acquisition they could make. The playoffs, it's going to be Kimbrel. Um, I I think that, and you know, we mentioned this on the Southside Sox podcast. I I really thought the Sox needed another veteran bat to help fill out the middle infield. Um, you know, so it isn't the Lurie and Danny Mendex show for, you know, there was no way that was sustainable. And, um, you know, we're already seeing some of the benefits there where um, Garcia has been pretty much the, the core bench utility guy, which I think is a, is a fitting role for him. Um, But it, once we get into the playoffs, then, then that's when you really start talking about shortening the game and I think that Kimbrell acquisition will really um, become critical when, once the playoffs hit. Yeah, you broke it down well. And of course, this is why I asked somebody like Tommy Barbie to be my partner here because he comes up with good points and I just try to talk as fast as I possibly can. But uh, you <laughs> broke it down interestingly because I thought I was going to throw a curveball and say Cesar Hernandez. But I think you broke it down well because I think, yeah, regular, regular season, uh, there was more of a need, mm-hmm. uh, immediate need, um, just a what the hell need, because you're right, running out, Larry, and particularly Mendick was subpar, and the White Sox could have gotten away with it, but it's nice that they upgraded, and it seems like it's a significant upgrade. But you're right, come playoffs, yeah, things do change, and the idea of asking your starters, by the way, by and large, really great starters, to be like, yeah, fine. If you're, if you're gassed in the fifth, yeah, we could take that, this, you know, this start, that's a exactly. really nice situation to be in, and uh yeah, man, I'm not sure if you want to give Tony more decisions, but I mean, it, it's, it, I would think for a manager in theory, that's just great to be able to say, all right, I don't have to push you as I've been doing all year exactly. to 110 plus pitches uh, because we've really shortened the game. And that's, that's the way baseball sort of works now, max effort and, and shorten the game the way you can. And who, who, who would have thunk that the White Sox had been able to, as much as we thought the bullpen was going to be awesome this year and that it sort of like confused us, this is better than what we would have hoped in spring training. And uh, it's just sort of shocking that, you know, that Rick Hans will put this together with, with probably minimal, minimal body blows. Absolutely. I mean, I, for one, I was shocked at how little the Sox had to give up for each one of the trades that they made. Um, and, you know, I know that there are those that think that Nick Madrigal is going to be the next Tony Gwynn and all of that. And if he has more power to him, but I think that they got the maximum value out of what they were going to get from a Nick Madrigal. And you cannot pass up on making that kind of move. And, you know, to your point about not only helping the starters, I think it also helps guys like Kopech and guys like Crochet and even Rodon to a certain extent that are probably looking at some sort of innings cap, this helps them so that they don't have to rely on Kopech on for two and three innings consistently in relief or anything like that. So that does give Tony a scary amount of options. So, you know, let, let's see how that goes. And it might've been the plan already. Uh, mm-hmm. Although boy, it seems like Kopech is, is getting, you know, he's pretty, pretty tapped for whatever limit. If there was a limit, he's, he, you know, he's gotta be, um, he will approach it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, uh, the stronger bullpen maybe does restore some of that flexibility to give Kopech a start 
um, most likely in the playoffs at this point, um, without it being that like, you know, back to, back to the wall, all, all men, you know, Lucas Gilead was coming out from that, you know, the Mark Burley save situation. Exactly. Um, might give them a little more flexibility because if you feel like Kopech, you can't possibly burn him for a start and you got run a Keuchel out there, or you can't go for a, a six man, just sort of chilling everybody out in September. Uh, you know, if that, that flexibility, then, you know, you're going to force all these guys. And some of them are a little bit up there in years, a couple of the guys. So, uh, you know, that another option again for Tony, uh, sort of, sort of scary. Uh, what do you see Tommy as being the, the, the one thing you most want to see from this team between now and the playoffs, one thing that you, you'd like to see that would give you a little bit more heart in this team. I feel like it's a cop-out answer, but health. I mean, um, you know. Not just getting guys back, but keeping anybody no, else from dying. But keeping everyone else healthy and, you know, when Yasmani comes back, which seems really soon yeah. for some weird, I, I have no idea <laughs> what they did to guy. that man's knee to make <laughs> it come back so quickly. But um you know, he's sprinting down base pass right now. If he's comes back, it's just like, I want these guys to come back early enough where it's late August and we're looking at a completely healthy team that is putting it together. Um, Cause you know, it, it's like with Aloy, he came back, got re-injured a little bit, had to sit down, had to come back in and took a little time getting his timing back it's not going to be instant so if the guys come back in enough time where they have the opportunity to kind of get reacclimated, get situated back into the fold i think that that is probably the best medicine for for the white Sox as a team yeah you want to get them run first of all yes my is not gonna he is not going to steal a single dollar of his $18 million a year. He's just not going to do it. He can't no. live with himself. He'll yeah. jump off a cliff <laughs> rather than like think he's getting money for doing like not quite enough. I mean, talk about like, I mean, hopefully he's a slightly better temperament, but talk about like a Carlton Fisk, like reincarnated. I mean, you can yeah. imagine Sebi like doing like 10 miles on the bike after he just caught, you know, 11 innings. I, I, God bless him. You know, God bless, I, hope yeah, he doesn't kill no himself idea. before the contract is up, but geez. I have no idea how he's doing it. And, you know, there's nobody seems to question that he's going to be catching as soon as he's back too. So I just, I don't get it, but more power to him. All right. As we're talking, I'm coming up with new things asked. So let's, let's, uh, let me give you a speed round type of question here. And I don't think the, the roster is going to break down this way, certainly for the playoffs. I know we get to expand. I want to say it's like just by a few guys in September right. uh, now uh, in this season, but if the choice was, I guess let's just go in order. I'm going to throw out three names. I want you to give me probably the guy that's most likely to not be on the playoff roster. We'll go, we'll go okay. in reverse. And it's Gavin Sheets, it's mm -hmm. Sebi Zavala, mm -hmm. and it's Zach Collins. And I guess this really comes down to whether or not your backup catcher is going to be Sebi or Zach if for the playoffs. I, my personal choice would be Collins. I think the real choice will be Sheets. And I, I think it's because there are enough people in the position to make such decisions that believe that Zach Collins is a valuable left-handed bat off the bench that he'll, that will win out over Sheets. 
So, so Sebi is on the club in your scenario, or he's yeah. long gone. Okay, so he is sort of in your mind the backup catcher and the guy who sort exactly. of like can help out. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I I would I would agree with what Sebi has shown us. This is more like the guy we saw maybe 2018, thinking, okay, seems like his defense has taken a step forward, and he yeah. he's got a little bit of pop. He can he's 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 minimally acceptable yeah right yeah exactly Um, and then you know he had the 2019 and really this you know this season Mm -hmm. pretty lousy uh with the bat and you know nobody's more surprised than me uh that he comes to the white Sox and you know hasn't gone crazy with the bat but hasn't been awful (laughs) (laughs) sorry sebi that's sort of a low blow but i mean uh, you know i mean you do more than just that but yeah it does seem at least as I mean, aside from, I guess, the walk, you know, walks versus strikeouts and, and no one can right. that counts. It's got some discipline uh, that that is value added. But the fact that his catching shortcomings are just made even more highlighted even more greatly by Sebi coming up and being decent, good, mm-hmm. competent. Uh, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't show well for Collins. Well, and I just. I mean, I haven't heard anybody complain about pitching the Collins, but I just, I don't see him being the guy that guys would want to pitch to in a very close playoff game where all of the punching behind home plate at the ball can come back to bite you. Like that's really not a situation that most of those guys are going to want to be in. And, you know, Dallas Keuchel accepted, let's hope everybody's professional enough not to say they hate pitching to him but i think there's it's a lot said that they're not saying they like pitching to him because it's yeah. basically the same message that's true and, you know, if it's yeah. your teammate hopefully you're not gonna throw <laughs> dallas he's, he's a crazy dallas man. is that, his that own beard man. gets itchy so it's like you know <laughs> man don't get on the wrong side of dallas keichel that, but that, he's his own guy yeah yeah uh, hopefully he can get himself straight down stop looking around the field that'd be a work last year for the team but he was also under two era last year so right you're gonna get that pass you can get away with year. it yeah <laughs> just stay in the rotation dallas uh okay <laughs> last uh question uh for the 2021 white Sox team before maybe we transition to some more fun stuff and everybody can either pause or start listening i don't know it really depends on what type of of the thousands of the tens of thousands of you out there the type of believe in white Sox fan you are the the quirky stuff or you just here for the hardcore 2021 exactly. white Sox stuff but uh another sort of fantasy scenario here tommy and i would like to know that at the likely price the likely likely cost to bring either of these guys back mm-hmm. and take into account the white Sox and their tendencies uh who is the the pitcher that the white Sox would find more desirable to bring back to the team next year is it carlos rodan is it Ronaldo Lopez? Rodon. So even I, given. I, I think they get it done because. Really? For as cheap as they tend to be, Reinsdorf also recognizes loyalty. And I think that he would trust Han to structure a contract in a way where it is advantageous for both sides, whether that means a ton of club options or options based on innings pitched. I think that as great of a season as Rodon has had, 
I don't, unless there's a dark horse team that I'm not thinking of, I don't think he has, in terms of overall stock, has elevated himself to a degree where there's going to be a team with just gobs of money that says, I'm going to overspend on a contract for you. Like, you know, thinking about like Arietta post Cubs when he had those miraculous seasons there. I don't see it as being that kind of lightning in a bottle situation, but that being said, th- I've been surprised at free agent spending before, so there could be a team out there that yeah. would do that. I like your confidence in the collusion market, Tommy. <laughs> I'm not so confident because to me, it seems like, and I think this came up on the Southside Sox pages at some point earlier in the season when discussing, oh, hey, you know, wrap wrap up Rodon, let's you know, mm-hmm. let's keep him in the fold. And to me, I, the name that popped out, and I know there's, a, it's, it's certainly not a, a direct comp, but it seems in the ballpark of a Nathan Eovaldi. Okay, uh, and I believe count. he he approached, if not broke, nine figures with the White Sox. Yep. He's never paid. Uh, got four, maybe five years from Boston. Now, granted, he got re-signed by his own team in Boston. At that time, was still spending like the money would never run out. And just, frankly, hey, yeah. news to everybody: none of the thirty teams' money is ever going to run out. So let's just establish <laughs> that, including the White Sox. Right. But so if we so is your answer the same? If there's an offer on the table, and I know you're saying, well, there's no dark horse team out there. Uh, but let's say, let's say the Chicago Cubs say, oh, you know what? We don't like the term rebuild. I like how that's going around these days. We don't like the term rebuild, even though we just ripped our team apart. But no, let's say they really are going to try to rebuild quick and they're going to try to do it, you know, with a combination of maybe a couple trades, some, mm-hmm. some farms. So, you know, it's not, it's, it's possible. I pray. I don't happen, buy that for a second, but I'll play along. Okay. Yes. Let's play along. Let's play along. <laughs> or maybe there's another team that's a little closer that didn't just rip its roster to shreds. Yeah. Um, and is maybe a little bit closer, maybe the where the White Sox were in the Machado mm-hmm. uh, um, dalliance. Um, and then the offer is we are willing to go with whatever little restrictions or, you know, safeties for us because his shoulder could blow up. Right. Uh, five years at $100 million. Now, mm-hmm. are the White Sox matching that? The, do the White Sox see that as smart money? Because really, Tommy, if you're going to just look at value, and granted, he is giving them more value than he's being paid this year in uh, to a significant degree. If everything projects the right way, he's probably giving them tw- maybe up to $15 million in surplus value. So in some ways, you can take that savings issue and say, all right, we're going to just, th- you got a free, you know, free year. Right. But I mean, uh, you're looking at maybe $4 million per per win above replacement so you're looking at for that contract a guy who's going to give you 20 25 war over the five seasons you know if you want to frame it as you know what a fair value is is rodan do they think he's going to be able to do that uh and you're right to say is any any team going to think that but you know i guess devil's advocate if that and if this guy continues and that so-called steve stone dead arm steve stone doing a good job of sort of knock his own team down and other teams all the time he's just throwing fists everywhere yep uh uh you know okay say he recovers and say he's a let's say and i don't think it's a stretch to say he finishes in the top five in Cy Young, oh, no, maybe even top three yeah. maybe he could even win that award absolutely um, you know let's let's project it that he's he's really riding uh high which is why i think the white Sox jumped at lance lynn saying okay this Agreed. is not gonna end well for us Let, let's, let's do this now. now yeah because <laughs> i don't like where this is going yeah um so okay legit offer of you know let's say maybe close to 20 million guaranteed you know per year up to five years is that something the white Sox are going to find a way to match even if they got to you know tweak it in a way to make it a little bit more of a paul canerco hometown discounted by you know 10 percent yeah they wouldn't match it okay. um 
I think in a situation like that, what I could see them doing is potentially front-loading the deal more to make it, um, you know, hospitable for their taste, where it's, um, you know, maybe more money up front, but a shorter contract with um, some sort of sweetener in, in it to try to make them stick around. But I don't see them matching dollar for dollar if that type of offer comes up. Uh, what do you think the max they would pay him? Given that it would be a fair amount of, I mean, what's a fair amount of years coming off of a year? It seems like he's going to do is do, do they have to go four years? They, I would say four three? years. Yeah. So over four years, what do you think they would give him? Would it be a Grandel, a, a near Grandel contract? Yeah. 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 See, they're not going to do that. And I'm not sure, you know, here's one time. I don't know that I would necessarily object. He, I love him. I, I love what he's done. But it is such a uh, such a risk to give him oh absolutely that much money and that is no diss on him and I hope heck I hope the guy you know gets it a hall of fame it's just yeah you know it's it's the it's the best time for him you know he's really uh, you know he he you know I guess it wasn't even a prove me deal because there was apparently not a ton of people knocking down no you know his door but yeah just. That would be one I would not object. I mean, if they could do something with him where it's like uh, even closer to Lynn or even just a couple of years, or for some reason, I don't think he's going to do, especially with Scott Boris. But I mean, you know, like two years, you know, 50 with the incentives, two years, 40. If you can get away with that, okay, maybe I could see, all right, let's just keep put, let's push that eventual injury down the road a little bit. Right. And let's just keep racking up that war because frankly, they could. They're getting a free year out of them this year. They are really. So Absolutely. I mean, they could say, yeah. "All right, we're going to pay you this much because you've already given us a lot of wins that we didn't pay for this year." But uh, I, I think he's more interested in the years than anything, and and I think that that is the that seems to be more often than not the limitation that sets the White Sox apart from other potential suitors. So I could see a team coming along and saying, okay, we're going to give you this five-year contract. And the Sox is like, mm, maybe four at like mm-hmm. 90 million or, mm-hmm. or, you know, 85 with a ton of incentives. But I, I don't think that they can match it. And I don't think that they should if it's at that point. And, and that's really, to, I agree, where it's like, that's too much of a gamble. But I think if you go in with that type of an offer if he takes it great if he doesn't like there's really no harm there yeah. on, on either side yeah i'm being on the hook for for keichel uh and having cope i mean you got to do something with cope you have to do your reliever next year yeah. so you know he's your you know he's your he's your five there and granted i want them i mean there's no reason why the white just like there's no reason why the window of opportunity has to exist there shouldn't be a window at all. It should just There's be a no big window. gaping it hole just in be, the wall. Yes. <laughs> but uh, so I would love, you know, hey, yeah, we've paid for six guys to, to, mm-hmm. to fill five spots. And yeah, somebody's always banged up or bummed out or, you know, has a false well, positive for coronavirus, whatever the hell, you know, whatever's going to sit them down for a minute. Um, but also, I mean, especially talking about Keiko, like he, he has... I, I don't think that act is going to work for much longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, 2020 I mean, was a good year for him, but yeah, 2021 one is... One of these games where he starts complaining about defensive alignments, it's going to be like, all right, the defense is playing in the bleachers. Is that deep enough? Like, can they catch all the home runs that you're giving yeah. up now? Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that is going to work out very well. Like, I, I nobody's responded to any of it, which is good, but yeah, I, I don't see that working if he keeps that up. Yeah, I mean, I uh, uh, of anyone as a, a, a person who, who who holds wiffle ball near and dear to his heart, I love seeing a guy basically throwing wiffle balls, just mystifying the, the all of baseball. Uh, and it was a wonderful two months that we had last year. And I'm afraid yes. that luck maybe has has run out, or he's going to have to find another uh, gear for craftiness. I mean, let's not forget he had this weird like fake ass spring training where he didn't pitch mm-hmm. at all he was getting like engaged or something he was like completely absent yep. you know which is cool he's a veteran and i'm sure it was like okay you know do, don't go do your we thing we need yeah. to ramp you up but i mean yeah he still didn't then you know he didn't have half a spring training he had like maybe a quarter of a spring training i don't know if yeah. that can help i mean just because he pulled it off the year he signed late i think with atlanta before mm-hmm. he signed with the white Sox, and was like oh yeah no problem. this is easy well maybe he's finding out it's not so easy because he <laughs> did something similar enough and that hasn't been so great and isn't it wonderful time to be able to talk about dallas Keiko like he's some sort of like big toothache when he's like yeah you know we would have killed for that guy like a couple of years ago oh, totally. as the yeah. ace so yeah not a bad, not a bad place, place to be. Okay. But, let's, yeah. let's uh, jump back to the Cubs. Cause you know, who cares, but uh, I'm just curious to know we've had, what, what was it? 20, 25, how many years? Like 25 years of interleague play. I don't know how long it's been 25 mm-hmm. years or so. Uh, a lot of highlights. The Cubs are real fond. The Cubs writers are fond of pointing out how, man, it's really close, you know, ignoring the fact that traditionally the White Sox should just kick the crap out of the Cubs in anything that's meaningful, including the city series was played in the postseason, which was played for world series type money. The White Sox right. always came in as underdogs and always embarrassed the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not let them get away with talking about this interleague being close because technically that's true. They're within like what five wins or something, but sure. Come on. Yeah. Traditionally, we know who the class of the city is anyway. Uh, I'm curious to know what perhaps jumps out at you because there have been many highlights and some lowlights that jumps out as uh, interleague highlights uh, over the years, Tommy. It's not so much highlights, but I just loved watching Carlos Lee make (laughs) Cubs fans cry. Like (laughs) there was no player that did better against the Cubs than Carlos Lee. And it was just, it was guaranteed every yep. time if there were was an s- opportunity to do damage like he yeah i mean he would just always always come through i want to say somehow this has come up before talking to you tommy i don't know maybe it hasn't but uh the walk-off grand slam game i was at and uh that was okay that started out as the david wells my back hurts yes <laughs> uh, and I'm, i think i finished my fourth career start and now i'm going to just never play for the socks i'm just going start, to stop now which yeah. was sort of a that was sort of a bummer to start out mm-hmm. sort of a bummer to start the game that way but yes that was uh that jumps out at me but then the um the AJ, the, I mean, of course I was also at the AJ punch game, but then the game in Wrigley, which I've not ever gone to a, not out of principle necessarily, although I don't really have a desire to step in there, particularly for an interleague game. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I want to say it couldn't have been much longer. They usually schedule these within a month or so. Um, right. The uh, Where AJ hit the home run to, I don't know, as a visiting team, but eventually uh, win the game. And that wasn't long after the punch. He probably still had a little bit of a bruise there. So uh, 
uh aj sort of gets a little honorable mention to me in terms of uh highlights and, and killer and, and all that stuff you know? definitely yeah and, and i do i wasn't there for the punch game but i do remember turning on the tv right as aj slammed his hand on on home and i wow, was like now that's what's going on and i write and i just saw just like pop up and i'm like oh my god what's about to happen mm-hmm. and i there's nothing more that i remember other than brian anderson who mm-hmm. you know at that time was so maligned by ozzy and the rest of the club just coming in and looking like he was literally mm-hmm fighting for his job by yeah. just trying to fight anybody that he could in and, a Cubs jersey. And, and Scotty Pods, like the, the slightest Pods guy on the, yeah. on the, on the yeah. field is like immediate <laughs> tackle. The instinct took yeah. over there. I mean, I want to say, well, he's from Texas, so he yeah. had to play football, but I'm guessing it was like, you know, flanker. I'm or maybe kick yeah, returner. Exactly. I'm yeah. guessing he wasn't like middle linebacker. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Sorry, Scotty Pods, if that's the case. Um, and uh the yeah I, i've said before that uh, i think that's the only time in my life i've lost my voice in the in the course of like a half inning because that when i went from zero to eight thousand very quickly oh, yeah yeah <laughs> it was also mesmerizing and i would say my cubs highlight for the interleague series would be i think this was a game i was actually covering on the beat when i want to say zambrano got into it in the dugout wow. with maybe barrett or some there was some like fracas or maybe it was Derek lee it was, it was probably, some crazy yeah. thing going on in the dugout because he was having I a thought it was Barrett. Start or whatever uh, chances are but uh yeah uh, you know that's another one when they just would sort of like lose it it's always nice to see the other team completely lose their composure and in ivy bumbler style but man that is so much attention paid to the cubs really too much attention although it's a great time to pay attention to the cubs because they're awful they have readily conceded the town to the White Sox. And I, we're going to see how the whole uh, attendance debate plays out here in years <laughs> to come. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I see them very quickly shifting to, it's a Bears town. Oh, yeah. I see that being the very quick next move. It's Bears town. Well, I also think um, that this is going to be a very long, quote, rebuild for the Cubs organization, too. Um, and they didn't get a whole heck of a lot in return for the guys that they traded. And I don't see them ever finding enough money to feel comfortable bringing in high price free agents. So unless they have to, I don't see them spending. You don't see a correlation, Tommy, between general average talent level and the unvaccinated masses. You don't see there being a correlation. <laughs> Man, that's the team I want. And they're just hold out. Like say Rodon, he didn't want to be vaccinated or something. He's like, they can pay me only fifty million. I just want to be with those guys. I just want to be man. there. Yeah, you know, we get sick together. We're gonna to cub together, sick. <sighs> All right, uh, good Cubs talk. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for humoring me there. Uh, and let's hope that in the course of this, as they are playing, that something crazy and terrible hasn't happened. But it does seem like they're probably gonna just try to speed through this final game. Sorry, ESPN, but you probably deserve it for the way you dick over the socks on a routine basis to get up flat turkey of a game yep uh, here is your finale but whatever uh, all right let's move to the music portion of the podcast tommy if you are prepared yes uh, i am curious to know 
we don't like to try to do too much negative stuff. Overrated was fun, so why not? Let's plug back into it. I need to know the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Tommy. Given the fact that it's sort of goofy to begin with, let's we can establish it is. that it's a silly yes. thing. But given that it is a silly thing, it is an institution. There are a list of inductees, and it's been going for far longer than I actually thought. It's boy, time has flown by, uh, and they have continued to really bring a lot of people into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. My list really skews recent years, but I'm curious to know. Um, I wrote down several names here, but maybe we can just uh, trade back and forth. Who would you first kick out of the esteemed, hallowed Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned off the <laughs> bat that it's goofy because like, whenever I think about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'm just like, somebody made a really wrong turn somewhere and they need to just either blow it up or and start from scratch or reestablish what this is supposed to be yeah because for one it's definitely not rock and roll and, and two they have zero under it doesn't make any sense how some of these bands even get inducted where it's like they just make up rules it feels like as they go along where it's like oh yeah this band is still touring but the last time they released an album was then and they haven't done anything since so they're technically allowed to get in even though this other band that meets the same criteria can't yeah, yeah. It, it's just it nothing about it makes sense to me yeah yeah, I mean, clearly it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I want to say popularity contest. I'm sure it's some sort of payola contest, but uh, yeah, all right. Well, uh, goofy rules aside and, <laughs> and preposterousness of the institution, I mean, who doesn't want to visit Cleveland to go see the Rock and Roll Because, you know, that's where it all started, Tommy. Cleveland. That's, it started, that's, it where, started that's where the Guardians hang out. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, the uh, the Rock and Roll Baseball Club um, has a lot of members and I'm mm -hmm. um, curious as to who you might boot out. I know you're a lover, not a fighter, and, and you don't even want to answer this question. And you know, no, you it was just, you know. it was more like, I don't know. Every time I thought of somebody that I would boot out, I was just like, okay, but at the same time, is this where I need to draw the light? Is this where we draw the line? <laughs> yeah, there's no war that I'm aware of. So that makes it sort of tough. Uh, you know. Uh, Who did you have? I just went down the list of inductees. So this is, I think, did you in go order. Like class by class? I think this is in order of, of yeah, okay. of, of going far, far back. And I, six stood out to me. So I'm going to just name my six. My first is Ricky Nelson seems like a very odd choice now granted that's far before my time so i don't i'm sure the cultural impact was significant i know he was an actor you know he yes. died tragically i suppose that probably helps that's um, exactly despite the circumstances yeah. which aren't the most favorable but uh just seems to be although there are a number of sort of empty calorie selections and, th and that even goes for maybe the past not just more recently because it seems to be stepping more that direction that that seemed to be just a little bit more one hitty and empty, mm -hmm. but, yeah, but but rushing a lot closer to today, uh, I have to cite Bob Seger. Guns and Roses is just, just personally offensive to me to be in a rock and roll Hall of Fame. Bon Jovi, 
I mean, that's hard to say this stuff with a straight face. I had a feeling that would um, be one of your choices. <laughs> uh, and and I guess the equivalent uh, from across the pond, Def Leppard. Def Leppard, yeah. And I will have to say probably something that would uh, cause some ire among the tens of thousands of listeners if they still were listening. They may have just shut it off or paused once we stopped talking about White Sox, Tommy. And that's Stevie Nicks as a solo artist. I really do not understand that. I do not Why? understand that as a solo well, I I don't understand the whole let's select people individually after they've already been inducted. Like yeah, that, six different times. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> Dave and Byrne can be in for a filmmaker and a solo artist and he was in a band and then maybe for his art school work. And it's like, hold on a second. Uh, so, yes, aside from that. Yeah. First of all, the main contribution or the, the participation she had most significantly in music. Yes, that's been inducted and probably legitimately so uh, as a solo artist. Um, I'm not right. going to pick on the um, the instrument because there are um, Tom Waits and, and Bob Dylan. Yes. I mean, they're they're not so. I mean, I'm not going to play that there. game. Yes. Although, yeah, um, still fair to note. And yeah, I'm not just really sure that the body of. I mean, granted, I will admit um, this is a somewhat of a um, well, at least for some of these, maybe not completely researched list. But from what I'm aware of, I am not dazzled enough to say well this person should be in ahead of probably a good hundred other oh, uh, acts. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that would mean that, you know, again, first of all, it's a, there's, there's no diss here. You're still, you still have your uh, medallion. You still mm-hmm. got your gold medal for being in years earlier in yep. your band. So it's okay. You know? Uh, so yeah, that, the, that, that's where it ended. I'm pretty sure I had more, but that is where it ended. So which I, is, is Stevie Nicks the one that most personally offends you? Or is there someone who stands out like, wow, I'm very mean. No, I mean, all of them make sense. And, and it's Stevie Nicks only surprises me just because I, I feel that her influence is such that it didn't surprise me to see her inducted. And this is why I don't like the Rock yeah. and Roll Hall of Fame is that it's like Ringo Starr was one of mine because like, I just don't understand mm-hmm. how you can say, because it's musical excellence. And it's like Ringo Starr was known for a lot of things. Musical excellence wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. in the traditional sense, one of the things that he was known for, but highly influential for very obvious reasons. But again, the Beatles are already in. Do you need to then like? See, I had somehow missed in my say my, individually. Everybody gets their own individual recognition. Yeah, my very detailed research into this, I had somehow skipped over the fact that Ringo Starr and the All Star Band for his almost sole <laughs> top forty hit photograph somehow <laughs> is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, so I will note Ringo Starr. <laughs> Sorry, Ringo, you are a swell fellow. And Tommy might even be selling you short musically. However, as a band leader, wow. I mean, that's like a guy who's sort of built for the, um, you know, the, the, the festival, uh, you know, whatever you call it, the uh, the retread festival circuit. And they're not wrong with that. No. Like the, you know, Joe Walsh joins up with them and plays some songs or guys who are even less notoriety than that. You know, they get together, play some songs for a while, everybody loves it. Uh, you know, folks remember when they, you know, still had hair and stuff and it's just a wonderful time, but yeah, I'm not really sure that's, uh, no matter how charming and swell a guy, uh, he is. Yeah. I'm not, 
Yeah. All right. I, well, I, see, look, I just somehow passed right over that. So you've added a seventh to my list. Believe me, there are, there are, are many, many more. And, and you're right. I am probably, again, I do not understand necessarily the Stevie Nicks influence, although, of course, being a strong female voice at a time where maybe weren't always strong female voices, especially in the more male dominated areas and not just say like folk music or something. Um, you know, I can certainly see that. I'm sure I'm underestimating that not being of that gender or of that age where it would have wowed me in the same way it would have. But yeah, still, I, I still feel perhaps the resume comes up a little short because clearly it's there's a defined uh, 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 requirements for this. So I clearly- and, and that's what I just, I don't understand because, you know, going through the inductees, I'm always like, all right, you can make an argument for that, but it's not what first comes to my mind, you know? And I think it's especially weird now that it's expanded into hip hop, mm -hmm. which yes, there are certain hip hop artists that have direct rock influences in their music or that same rebellious attitude That they bring to music but that doesn't by default like mm -hmm. everybody should be in the rock and roll hall of fame like i just it, it's not it's not all the same and the fact that they just kind of treat it the same makes it feel just really weird and awkward to me yeah like uh i mean there are years that no one which is silly to me but that no one's elected to the baseball hall of fame like this year yeah um and the idea that they'll just never do, it's like I think it's pretty much written in. It's sort of impossible to do, I think. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that alone sort of makes it silly because then somehow you have to continue to broaden this and and water this down and make it, yeah. And arguing for a blues artist or even a jazz artist, of which I don't think there are many, um, blues yes, jazz no. Um, being roots to rock and roll is a lot stronger right. argument to make than to say like hip hop has a connection. Again, I, I could see the validity, especially for, for a, a band or an artist who really has incorporated a lot of those elements. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, that's like, those are like parallel things. And it's like saying, right. you know, and I guess technically they're also trying to sort of drag in some more like electronic artists. And I know there's they some are. roots there too, but uh, I mean, that seems to be a lot, taking a bigger slice of the pie from rock and roll today than it ever did in the past. So. Uh, yeah, it does seem like a splintering into uh, many, uh, many different wings. Hey, let me tell you, Tommy, let me tell you my Bob Seger story, because I'm never going to get a chance to talk about Bob Seger again. <laughs> That's sort of a dumb one. But um, when I was in college, um, John Mellencamp put out a new album. And at the time, he was he was he was a pretty big deal. And, you know, I, I like him a lot. Still still do. Mm -hmm. But uh, he had a song. Uh, he had I'm coming out and I had, you know, I wasn't a big, big radio listener and, and all that. And so my roommate comes home and says, have you heard this new song by John Cougar or whatever called Bob Seeger? And he's singing about like, he doesn't want to be Bob Seeger. He doesn't want to sing any Bob songs. I'm like, wow, that seems like sort of nasty. What? You know, that doesn't really <laughs> seem to be something that's going on here. If anything, it seems like those guys would be like bros or whatever. And I think mm -hmm. I like called my friend who also like, you know, John, and I was like, man, you know, what's going on with this thing? And of course, that song turns out to be, which is an awful song, but I mean, it also wasn't a Bob Seger diss track. It was called Pop Singer. And my roommate just simply had not understood that the he context. really was not going after <laughs> Bob Seger. Um, 
that's about as close to liking Bob Seger I've really got, though. And again, I'm probably I'm probably unfairly dissing Bob Seger. I'm sure he's like a good like like Motown, like uh, or Detroit uh, rock and roller, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're giving him the fair amount of credit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that he might at least be in the kids' table at the next. Yeah. Uh, event. <laughs> All right. Well, if if you are not revoking anybody's uh, invitation in uh, are there urgent cases for this stupid institution <laughs> that I've forced you to talk about that you would think need to be attended to more quickly uh, than uh, others because when I look at the list of who is you know technically a, a, the whole planet is eligible uh, but um, based especially on the criteria but man there is like a case to be made for dozens of people and that mm-hmm. doesn't even take getting into say uh, uh, older uh, black artists and certainly jazz, which really seems un- un- underrepresented in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, but is there s- someone or some group that really seems strange that they are not in this I mean, Hall of Fame? It, it's just as a awards ceremony and induction, I, I just think the whole thing needs to be overhauled. And it, it's like it's the same way that I even struggle with like how the Grammys are represented where it's like, you know, they have all these really small niche categories where it's like, if you are a black musician by default, you fall under the contemporary R and B umbrella because it used to be the urban, you know, category. And that's just where everything fell because of what you look like. And it had nothing to do with the music you made. Right. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just feels the same weird pastiche of just like, let's just kind of grab all these different things and throw it together. And everybody should be a part of these these same inductions. And I just think it's weird because now you have like, it, it feels so performative to have like Notorious B.I.G. and Radiohead who are still making music and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it's like, yeah, the, you know, both are legendary in their own right. But if you're not going to actually be appreciative of like their contemporaries or all that is encompassed in New York hip hop or Brit pop with Radiohead, therefore Oasis, and, you know, all those other bands like Blur that came along before Radiohead to kind of mm-hmm. make up what that represents it just seems disingenuous to just be like, all right, we're just going to kind of grab these random bands and and call it good. Yeah. So you're more, you're you're approaching this question more. I would like to do the most rock and roll thing and just burn it to the ground. (laughs) I want anarchy in my rock and roll hall of fame. You you want more punk representation (laughs) in the rock and roll fame, which, which entails just destroying it, which I can't say is necessarily a wrong impulse at all. Uh, But uh yeah they uh (laughs) they're confused (laughs) they're definitely confused i mean uh, it 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 hurt my soul to see that what i suspected in bon jovi and def leppard was confirmed and bands like that were actually in and i'm sure but why like i mean it's just like what what bands do you know of that would go out and say Oh yeah, Def Leppard, man. That that just 
that, that influenced my musical career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's not, yeah, there's not any, um, st- you can't make an argument for style. You can't make an argument for, you know, there's artists who are in there already who are probably, or who should be in there, who maybe didn't necessarily make the biggest mark, but maybe because they, because of some of their performance art, let's say, or because right. maybe it wasn't particularly good, but because they sort of um, uh, blazed a trail. Mm-hmm. You can say, well, all right, these, this was one of the first and okay, it's hard to, you know, maybe hard to listen to, but um, like, I mean, you could obviously make an argument for, I, I don't know that they are, good Lord, I don't you know the Sex Pistols in the Hall of Fame, I don't know if they are, but I mean, I thought so. that's not necessarily, I don't think there's musical merit there in, in the least, but I mean, certainly you could say, well, all right, that they went headstrong into go- something. Yeah, I was going to go even further and say like Captain Beefheart, who I'm sure isn't in the music in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but like to your point, you know, from an influence standpoint, would make mm-hmm. a lot more sense than some of the other bands. He is not, and funny when I when I was looking at some of the listings, I thought he, I absolutely should put him on my list. He did not even make my list, but yes, that that stood out as glaring in that category of yeah absolute um, influence and you know contemporaries to whatever degree too, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Even some longevity, you know, I don't know. He did sort of hang it up, but uh, then he could get in as a painter. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Just that'll push him over. That's a little Just extra. Just do that. Exactly. that late like, career war that gets him in because he's got some paintings, you know. Painting excellence. There you go. So you don't wake up um, around Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announcement time and say, God, I hope <laughs> this fan finally gets in or I'm going to really have to burn that place down if I ever go to check your I just Cleveland. I just pay attention to more random things especially now that it's like the early 90s time for like so I'm right. like all right any year now Dave Matthews band and Fish are going to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and neither of those bands are bands that I would consider rock and roll but hey it, I you know they meet the criteria so yeah, they should have just a, like a, I don't know, a, a sale, a sales wing or like a bro wing. Cause then, you know, like Def Leppard and Bon Jovi should be in that wing. That's maybe, true. Maybe Guns That's N' true. Roses. I don't know. They had like yeah. one record, but I guess they could be in that wing. I don't know. I mean, that, that makes some sense, I suppose. Um, Bob Seger could be in the, um, oh, it's a big wing. Oh, this is another one. This is a whole nother topic. Bob Seger could be in the commercial music um, wing. But then again, just about all the acts. And music and kind of a requirement and yeah. those who still have held out i hold dear but there aren't that many anymore there aren't that many anymore no all right so i guess the conclusion is we will just burn it down burn it all down exactly fair yeah fair enough so me Be like the cubs about, uh guns and roses being in the rock and roll name is immaterial because <laughs> it just all should be destroyed and exactly can still keep their medals mm-hmm. um, axel rose can still keep his medallion and um that guy elliot from he can uh, still be a happy camper can, yes, yes yeah and uh john <laughs> beyond giovi can uh can keep his medal as well and exactly they keep making records and keep they songs. can keep doing their thing okay. go on tour and so we will not we'll replace it we won't relocate it we won't replace it it just goes away yeah and it's more just like it's more word of mouth the hall of fame becomes word of mouth exactly so like for you like a good indie rock band there you go so like you know your your first your your first one you enshrine is like velvet underground it's like okay they ended up they weren't the first but you'd be like one of the first for you because it's like well okay there's 
there's some massive influence. So there underrated massive yeah. influence. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we solved that. That's good. Uh, I thought I'd come away from this more troubled than I uh, ended up, but um, you know, I guess there's nothing wrong with just burning stuff. Congratulations. Like you said, um, there's the baseball time. We'll bring it back. People come back who didn't want to hear about music. Come on back. Cause we're talking about the Cubs burning themselves to the ground and it could not happen to better ownership. It could not happen to a better team in my estimation. So I hope that the so-called rebuild, which the term they don't want to use, I don't know what they're going to use. Uh, you know, this desolation, just desert, whatever it is, uh, looking up at the White Sox for years to come, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be pleasant for them. I don't think. And no, because they, I mean, they don't have much. They don't. I mean, I, I know they have enough of a young, I mean, obviously their, their, their system's better than the White Sox. White Sox covered the bear. Fine. fine. But first of all, it's not saying much. Second of all, you That's... don't know that those guys play, you know, they ascend into, I mean, there is really something to be said for what the White Sox have done this year. And that is graduate so many first rounders and, and high picks, including Gavin Sheets, into the major leagues in, in, in a way that they're contributing. That's the name of this. It's not to have the most guys on the top 100 list. And I mean, would you say they're that much better than, than the white? I, I mean, it's like, that's kind of why they are where they were when they made those trades is because none of the guys that were supposed to be those upper echelon that's true. prospects panned that's true. out to anything. That's true. Um, and they have a lot of young guys. That's true. But I just, I, there doesn't seem to be that pipeline there of talent that would have give me yeah. any confidence in them turning it around and then you know even in the next five years really yeah well thank you for joining us for believe in the cubs we do not so we are <laughs> we actually do not believe in the cubs we are going to just... change the name of our program tommy i'm gonna i'm gonna make an executive decision here. we're gonna change it to believe in white Sox, uh because i can't really get behind believing in cubs uh, but uh, hopefully we will have another, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about because we can't really talk about the day-to-day because, you know, it is, hate to say it, but it is in the bag. We'll find some stuff because we ended up going far longer than I thought we would this time around. And we will not wait another a month or so to do it again. And I'm sure there'll be stuff to talk about. Some guy coming back, Luis Roberts coming back uh, Monday. Uh, Eloy Jimenez definitely uh, re-announced uh, himself with some authority in tonight's game against the Cubs and has so far not as far as we know, damaged himself in the field. I don't know what the hamstring thing was about. It could have been in the field, but I don't know. Yeah. At least he did it. If he did it in the field, it was not getting caught in the net. It was actually making good that's plays true. in the field. So yes, that's progress, I guess. <laughs> I I'll guess. take it. Now that Andrew Vaughn can like play right field. I mean, exactly. You know, um, Just put him anywhere. And Gavin Sheets in center. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening to what was formerly believed in Cubs. We do not believe in the Cubs. So Tommy and I are moving over to the South side. We are going right back to believe in white socks. This is number eight. We'll have number nine sometime in August, maybe a, a week or so from now, we got some off days coming up. We'll try to yeah. fill in with some more content and come up with a more constructive bonus topic than discussing for 20 minutes, the rock and roll hall of fame. Cause I don't want time to have to keep burning stuff down. I mean, I like it. I like seeing the, like the punk streak, but you know, come on, we got to build up sometimes. So I, yeah, I, building I, up I, I can't time. burn everything. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we'll figure it out. I don't know what's going to be, but we'll come up with some bonus category to talk about. That you can either tune in for or tune out on. And uh, you know, we'll do that in a week or so. You want to do that with me, Tommy? 
Sounds good. Let's have it happening. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, especially to the Barbies. We always have to give a special personal, personal thank you to all the Barbies out there because we know that you're core, core subscribers to the Believe in White Sox podcast. Please continue. Hardcore listeners. Yes. Absolutely. And, and, you know, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your brothers, call your fathers, call your house pets. Listen to Believe in White Sox. We'll be back in a week or so. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.